let me invite onto the show Mariette Lieferink, who is Chief Executive Officer of the Federation for Sustainable Environment. Mariette, good morning. Uh, good morning and good morning to your listeners. Willem Menkes is manager of the Engineering and Geohazards Unit at the Council of Geosciences. Willem, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Uh, thank you for having us. Also joining this conversation is Welile Fila, who is a DA councillor in Mirafong. Welile, good morning to you as well. Uh, morning, ma'am. Uh, morning to the viewers. Uh, thanks for this opportunity, ma'am. Sure. And Trevor Green is a consulting engineer on Sunral's R21 sinkhole repair project. Trevor, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Mm. Uh, Mariette, perhaps they, let me begin with you, right? We heard from the residents of Kuzong talk about the fact that this problem has been worsening over the years. Of course, when one looks at the pictures of what is happening there, it really is incredibly concerning um, that there are even people still living apologies in some of in in some of the streets where the sinkholes have literally split the tar roads in half how would you describe what is happening there uh, yes we must perhaps just take into consideration also the historic uh, development of Kutsong or the background because a large portion of the Kutsong formal township is situated situated on a high risk dolomitic areas which are considered dangerous mm. and unsuitable for human settlement. The 2008 report by the Council of Jews signs uh, stated that these households, remember the report was tabled in 2008, are in urgent need of relocation to geologically stable land. Due to Merafong City being located on this high-risk dolomitic areas, a high standard of water supply services and sewage treatment are required. The uncontrolled dis disposal of sewage contributes to the sinkhole formation. And here I just also want to refer to the fact that the Kutsong development originates from a settlement prior to 1960. It was at a time where there was no geotechnical studies or an environmental assessment conducted. And the first geotechnical dolomitic a survey was conducted in Kutsong in 1980 and then it became clear that the situation in Kutsong was deteriorating mm -hmm. and that a long-term solution must be found to address the vulnerability of the area but this will come at a cost the recent cost was estimated at 6.5 billion rand and there are significant financial resource constraints. So Mariette, basically what you're saying is that at the time that the settlement was being established, um, <clears throat> there was no clear concerns around, you know, just the kind of terrain that people were going to be living on. But post-1980, when some of these studies were conducted, it became clear that there should never have been people allowed to live or settle in that area in the first place. Uh, that is correct. And we also have a report that was published by the Merifong City Local Municipality on March 2021, where they also detailed uh, the, the challenges with regards to sinkholes, the challenges with regards to water losses, 51% of water losses, the aging infrastructure, 
which leads to sporadic pipe bursts, water leakages and losses and then activate new mm-hmm. sinkholes. And here I perhaps just want to also interpose about our ailing wastewater treatment works and uh, wastewater treatment works in critical condition. Within the Merafong local municipality, there, there are the Oberhose wastewater treatment works, the Kutsong, the Welverdiend, the Wedela and the Kukosi wastewater treatment works. The uh, water quality results which have been presented to us recently showed that in all of these wastewater treatment works, the fecal coliform, which is an indicator of raw sewage, that the count of these fecal coliform is TNTC, which stands for too numerous to count. So the current situation is, uh, 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 well, it infringes on the right not only to life, but the right to dignity, Mm. the right also to an environment that is not harmful to health and well-being. And, and and so and so basically are you saying that the bulk of 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 the water in Mirafong has been infested with what is coming out of the 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 sewage pipes because this, yes most mm. of the wastewater treatment works are in a critical condition there has been lack of upgrading and refurbishment and this of course mirrors what is in fact happening in South Africa where 56% of our wastewater treatment works and 44% of our water treatment works are in a poor or critical condition and 11% are dysfunctional. So the the issue is not just sinkhole formations. The the issue uh, is, of course, also the the poor condition, the dysfunctional state of Mm. the wastewater treatment works within the Merafong local municipality. Willem, let, let me bring you in here and perhaps talk from the perspective of, of the Council for Geosciences and some of the work that you've been conducting and what it shows you about the rapid rate at which then the formation of, of sinkholes continues and the kind of threat that that poses today and possibly in the very near future to residents. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Yes, I think, um, um, as, as we well know, there's um, quite a number of factors that contribute to the formation of sinkholes. Uh, predominantly, it's related to water on dolomitic ground. So, it's uh, uh, like you've mentioned in your introductory uh, remarks, uh, you know, ground conditions that are susceptible to the formation of sinkholes. Um, and typically, you know, um, over the years, we've, we've gained, uh, I think, as a science community, a lot of insights in terms of uh, what are the causes of sinkholes, how do they form, what is the science behind that. Uh, and all of that ultimately culminated in the uh, promulgation of our national standards uh, in 2012, uh, which now sets out you know, technical requirements and specifications to investigate dolomitic areas, uh, some of the mitigation measures, um, and the appropriate land uses that, that can be applied in those areas. Um, I think one of the challenges we are sitting with uh, uh, as of areas have been developed prior to the promulgation of these standards uh, is, uh, you know, we, we've been, uh, as a science community and I think as uh, developers and, and, and government and all the uh, different role players over the years, um, um, been sort of developing our understanding in terms of what is permissible and, and what is what we regard as a 
a tolerable hazard rating. So um, I think we are now at a point where we've been um, implementing these new standards in terms of new developments and, and, and new areas that are um, you know, being upgraded in terms of infrastructure. Um, but the challenge that we are sitting with is you know, areas that's been developed you know, long before. Uh, typically, like you've referred to now in Kutsong, there's been there's been some areas uh, of the old Kutsong that's been established uh, long before you know our current uh, guidelines and standards have have come into operation. So um, that is unfortunately now compounding some of the the problems that we have uh, in terms of you know infrastructure aging, aging um, not being compliant with uh, with the new requirements you know because it's been installed for some time back. Uh, so going forward, you know, we'll we'll uh, definitely have to look at you know some of these older uh, developments and infrastructure that's uh, more vulnerable to um, uh, and and you know increasing the susceptibility for sinkhole formation. Uh, but then at least uh, uh, we are uh, to a large extent um, doing um, what we know best at the current moment. Uh, in terms of prevailing standards for for new developments to ensure that we uh, we we comply with with these requirements. What does this mean for parts of the area that would fall under the older developments, as as you've described? So uh, one of the um, most effective ways, or uh, at the moment, that that um, I suppose we know best to try and deal with this is by means of what we call dollar micro risk management uh, because we've got uh, resource constraints uh, generally uh, we, we we have finite resources I think as as government as a whole you know to implement solutions uh, so we can't we can't um, you know go and replace infrastructure for a whole uh, township area for instance you know overnight um, so the only other uh, means that we've got in the interim is to, to apply risk management. Uh, so that's a collective uh, effort. Uh, it has to be driven, uh, you know, from the owner of those assets. Uh, in, in most cases, it is the, uh, the local authorities. Uh, but then you also need, you know, buy-in and awareness from, from local communities. Um, and, and most of those measures are, are generally quite uh, simple things, you know, in terms of ensuring uh, water pipes are not leaking, uh, stormwater drainage is uh, adequately managed, uh, as well as groundwater. Um, so if you can if you can deal with that uh, to a large extent, um, and, and uh, research has shown, you know, up to 96% of uh, sinkhole occurrences can actually be reduced. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, on dolomitic ground, you you will never be able to completely rule out, you know, any future sinkhole uh, occurrences. Uh, but the uh, the main focus is to have it within uh, tolerable limits, uh, what we call from a risk management perspective. Willem, I'm going to ask you to pause it there. We continue uh, the conversation looking at the sinkholes that uh, continue to develop out on Gauteng's West Rand and what the interventions then can be uh, to ensure that residents are protected as some have fled their homes as a result of uh, these growing sinkholes. It's just after 10.30. Time for your latest headlines. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk.
Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. We continue with the conversation on the talking point, looking at the sinkholes out in the West Rand. Welile Fila is a DA councillor in Mirafong. Welile, good morning to you. Give us the perspective of what you have seen, uh, particularly as residents of this area. Oh, thank you, ma'am. Uh, as a, a public rep, I regard myself as a servant of people. Uh, Mirafong City, particularly in Kutong, as a born red of Kutong, I lived there, uh, I grew up there. Since all these things started, it started simple, there is a leakage of pipes, there is a draining system that is not maintained. As we go back, there, there were some, it is 20, 17, when some of the house fallen in Kutong, it was just simple thing. That means we don't have a maintenance plan in Mirafong in terms of those uh, leakage, water leakage, maintenance of sewers. Now, it gives a problem to the resident to say, as we speak, uh, the, 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 the challenge that we, we see, sinkholes is being long. We've been staying in a sinkhole for plus minus four to five years, an open hole, coming raining season as we are approaching a raining season because this week is being rainy, and some of the sinkholes are started to be bigger and bigger as we speak. Now it shows that the municipality doesn't have a, a proper plan, including the nationality. Because why I'm including the nationality? There is a war room in this uh, municipality. Uh, in, in junction with uh, a national uh, department of housing, which then that department is headed by the city, so the former MM is a director in the in the national house office or housing development. Now you get yourself to say, if I'm still staying for four years next to a sinkhole, and what is going to happen? I don't sleep at night. The frustration. Some of them, they, bring, they, they, they already in a graveyard, they may so rest in peace because of the frustration, it causes them stress, from stress to get into to a, a, a heart attack. Now, these poor people are suffering in terms of death. You go, there is a section in Kusong, it's about Swana section. There is a sinkhole there, which is on the main road. That road is being closed, but not be properly be parroquated because they put it a temporal fence. When you put a temporal fence, it's a lot of money that you are spending there. And when you put it, those people, some of people, they are coming and steal it. And you get on that sinkhole, uh, it's not barricaded. And last is two, two weeks back, someone at night falling the sinkhole. And you also, you also screaming, screaming, help, help. When the neighbor came, there is someone in a sinkhole. Imagine if that person was dead in that sinkhole. Who will do the, uh, the damage control? This is not a, a natural disaster. It's a man-made. If we maintain our thing and take our job serious in the mm. municipality, particular on the, uh, the the general workers of the municipality and all these people who are who, who from department or different departments, because single it needs all different departments. It needs all stakeholders. It needs all the community members. And going direct, when I listened to the radio before, I listened to the clip that was played by 
the 18 mm of Mirapo municipality, which is in the same region. He mentioned that there is a place that they created for people when there is a sinkhole, they must go there. The reason being people are refusing to go there, there is no a policy that is in favoring our people. You are from an eight-room house with a nice furniture, with a big, big cars. After that, you go to a four-room house. And the reason why you have developed your, your, your house to, to go to eight rooms, you wanted a, 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 pri- a, a private life for yourself and your kids. Now imagine that those rooms in the RDP, they are closer to each other. Mm. Parents cannot go and do their own thing, but now they cannot get their own private, cannot go have their own argument or explaining something because there is no private in their house. And those houses doesn't belong to our people. That's the same thing. You give an RDP house to a person. At night you are sleeping. Someone who have on the lease for a house. You or she will come back and say, this is my house because we don't have a title deed. You can't reclaim something without a title deed. Thank mm. you, ma'am. Mm. Well, Ile, I mean, there's, there's a number of issues that you have raised there in terms of why, um, you know, there isn't much take up even of, of the housing that may have been uh, provided by the department, but also just the level of awareness that needs to take place in the community. I would imagine even about where some of these sinkholes are, especially if people are falling into the sinkholes at night. Trevor, you're a consulting engineer with Sunral uh, as part of the sinkhole repair project on the R21. Give us a sense of what you've been able to uh, find. Yeah, so unfortunately, sinkholes are an inherent natural problem, um, but activities of, of man-made activities can accelerate them or, or uh, cause them. So leaking services, uh, ponding water, badly planned or uncontrolled stormwater, all of these can trigger sinkholes. And we're certainly seeing in areas um, like Kosong, which um, has uh, poor services or damaged services, uh, it does make the situation considerably worse. We also had, um, possibly as a result of climate change, a much heavier rainfall the last couple of years, and that's caused a lot more uh, water ingress into the ground, and, and that's why we were picking up some very large and unusually large sinkholes um, uh, recently. Um, I, I do think it's, it's unfortunate that that song was built in an area which is prone to sinkholes. And in the defense of whoever planned the township in the 60s, uh, Dolomite was still very poorly understood at that time. It was only in the 70s and 80s that a lot of research and work was done on Dolomite. And as Willem has quite correctly said, in 2012, we published a much better standard for Dolomite, which is now being very strictly enforced by the Council for Geoscience. And as a result, new developments aren't having these same problems. Uh, we're being very careful about where development happens and making sure that it's on very low-risk dolomite areas. And even where it does take place, it always takes place with very strict precautions in terms of services to ensure that they don't leak, they can be easily inspected and monitored, and that reduces the risk to a large extent. But it remains a challenge for existing townships on high-risk areas. Uh, like the one we're discussing today. So in terms of the kind of damage damage that we see to road infrastructure, 
how how do you respond to that? Because um, some of the pictures that we've seen, as I was saying earlier, are roads that have literally been split in half, you know, and um, communities, if somebody's living on the other side of the road, they now can't um, cross over, let alone drive over. Uh, mm. How much more difficult is that making your lives? No, it, it makes the lives of the residents extremely difficult. I can only imagine having to live right next to a sinkhole. And aside from the inconvenience, there's a fear that goes with it. I mean, there's nothing to stop that sinkhole forming underneath the house uh, or directly adjacent to the house. So it is a massive problem. But the biggest thing is, is prevention is always better than cure. Uh, fixing sinkholes, or at least fixing them properly, is quite an onerous and expensive uh, activity. It's quite specialized, it requires a lot of investigation and cost. It would be far cheaper and far more economical to fix the, the proximate cause, which is generally poor drainage or poor water management. And once you've done that, then spend the money and fix the sinkholes and then you should be fine. Um, but admittedly, there are certain areas that no matter what you do, you're going to have huge issues with sinkholes and it's really then not suitable for, for human development. Um, so the Council of Geoscience, the SANS codes, etc., won't allow development <laughs> in certain areas because they're such high risk. So, so, so then, what's the future here, Mariette? Let me come. Let me come back to you. What is the solution? What's the answer? Because if I'm listening um, carefully to what part of Trevor is saying is that once a sinkhole has actually formed, uh, being able to fully repair it is um, incredibly difficult, and and perhaps the focus then is not about really repairing the sinkholes. It's about saying what happens to, to the residents who are living in those areas. Yes. Uh, in terms of the intervention plan by the Metafilm, um, munici local municipality and also the intergovernmental technical task team, um, what was suggested was, first of all, the Kutsong resettlement, secondly, the sinkhole rehabilitation, and then infrastructure replacement the primary trigger mechanisms, I think, which have been uh, discussed this morning is ingress of water from leaking water-bearing structures and poorly managed surface water drainage. So that must be uh, undertaken as a matter of priority. I, I just want to also now refer to perhaps what has not been discussed this morning, and it may not perhaps be the primary concern, but uh, the South African apartheid government in 1960 um, embarked upon a dewatering uh, exercise where the Far West Randolomitic uh, Water Association was then established uh, in order to address the sinkhole formations that resulted from the dewatering of the Far West Rand. And then a state coordinating technical committee on sinkholes and subsidences were formed. There were at the stage, um, I think, reported approximately 2,000 sinkholes within the far west strand. And then this state technical coordinating or state coordinating technical committee was then to address safety issues of mining in dolomitic areas wow. within the far west strand and to establish the cause of damage to property and at, uh, ultimately also advise the state how to deal with claims arising after dewatering. It is regrettable that the state coordinating technical com committee is no longer operational. And in the Council of Jewish Sciences 2008 report, 
it was recommended that the function be reinstated as a matter of urgency. Uh, this, of course, has not uh, happened. I, I just want to apologize. I referred to the formation of 2,000 sinkholes. It was not 2,000. It was 1,000 sinkholes. So um, when you ask about the um, rehabilitation of sinkholes at that time, the uh, State Coordinating Technical Committee recommended that these sinkholes be backfilled with tailings, that is the waste from gold mining activities, but that of course had an impact on the groundwater within the far west rand. So um, the, the challenge of sinkhole rehabilitation will have to be addressed by experts, um, persons with physical and chem chemical uh, or, uh, understanding of the risks regarding the backfilling of sinkholes. Mm. So, so, Willem, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, I, I, and, and, and I'm putting myself here in the shoes of a resident who is living day by day either with a sinkhole right in front of their houses or with the threat of a, a developing sinkholes. What must, what must those residents do? What does the future look like for them? Yeah, thank you, thank you, Kathy. Yeah, I, I uh, maybe want to um, touch on, on, on one point before I answer your question. Sure, and go I'm, ahead. I'm actually glad that um, Mariette mentioned the State Coordinating Technical Committee. So that was a structure, you know, that was established in uh, uh, many years ago, um, looking specifically at the dewatered areas uh, on the far west branch, you know, so where the mines pumped out the water. Uh, to safely mine and uh, as a consequence of that you know knowing that uh, pumping of groundwater is one of the triggers for, for sinkhole formation uh, that structure assisted uh, you know in advising government on how to proceed with that but i think uh, on the advent that we are sitting on now in terms of the um, possible um, cessation of pumping with uh, some of the mining operations uh, we will definitely have to collectively look at what is the potential influence of the reverse effect uh, of, of this whole uh, situation with the dewatered compartment. So, you know, as soon as uh, some of the mining operations uh, in the near future might, uh, um, you know, uh, start closing down, the uh, water levels will inevitably have to come back to where they originally were. Um, so that is one of the, uh, the things that, that we've been in discussion with to look at the uh, and, and advise, you know, through the, the relevant um, uh, authorities that we report to as well, the um, re-establishment of that structure. Uh, and some work has been done uh, in terms of the Gauteng uh, Provincial Disaster Management Center and the coordinating role that they play as well, uh, you know, to look at how to coordinate in government to, uh, to try and address this problem holistically. Uh, but the, one of the, uh, to, to, to answer your question, I think it's a very complicated um, uh, matter. You know, I can, I can imagine being a resident, you know, being that personally affected by, by a sinkhole uh, in your community, in your street, next to your house. Um, and, but at the end of the day, you know, the, um, uh, one of the um, ways to, to deal with that, you know, uh, is to either consider rehabilitation of sinkholes uh, to the appropriate standards uh, to fix them uh, where you know the future land use in that area is, is uh, uh, deemed to be within what we call that toler tolerable hazard uh, but you know if it becomes to a point where the risk becomes completely unmanageable 
uh, and you cannot almost keep up uh, and the rate of new single formation is, is uh, too great. Uh, then, as a very last resort, uh, one of the options to consider is uh, is resettlement. Uh, but I, I, I that, and that is also you know, at the um, um, decisions that usually local authorities have to take. Uh, we, we we don't we don't make those decisions as the council for your sign. But, uh, but what what what, what advice what advice would you have for them in this instance? In that instance, you know, if they if, if it becomes an intolerable uh, hazard, you know, so you cannot no longer really manage it, uh, that becomes the uh, one of the very last resorts to uh, to resettle people. But before you get to that point, you must make sure that you've absolutely you know, tried to do everything that you can in terms of fixing uh, infrastructure, leaking water pipes, uh, and safeguarding what what you've got. So, 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 Willem, in as far as your own analysis then is concerned, um, are you saying that we're not at the point of needing to relocate people? I think um, the, um, there's, been a, there's been a lot of work that has happened, a lot of interventions over, over the years in the, in the Kutsong area. Um, and at this um, point, um, I think some of the some of the areas in the Greater Kutsong area, um, in in some of the um, advice that we've given the local authority for consideration and and uh, discussions through the uh, through the council, uh, was that some of the areas are now considered as uh, intolerable hazard rating. So mm. what that means and the decisions that the local authority take at the end of the day in terms of. Uh, you know, are they going to consider uh, large-scale upgrading of infrastructure versus resettlement? Uh, that's a decision that, that will ultimately rest with them. But uh, some of the areas are now at that point, you know, where the rate of new single formation is uh, what we deem intolerable as it. Mm. Let me go to Vili, who's calling us from Cloudstorp. Vili, good morning. Hi, hello, my lady. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Thank you, man. Look, um... Over the past, I think, this year, around January, I raised the issue of sinkholes yeah, in around Clackstop area, in, Stilfonten, in particular, in our local paper, my lady. Mm. So, therefore, the national road around Clackstop, between Clackstop and Pottisville, at Stilfonten, there's this, this so-called sinkhole problem has been there for quite a long time, and then... When the road comes there, it becomes smaller because there's, there's a sinkhole there. But can I tell you, it's almost five years, five years. Um, the traffic is still getting problematic there because of this sinkhole. Now, my point is, because you raised this today, I am pleading with the, with, with the government. It must take this sinkhole problem, problem as, as, as a national problem, in mm. particular for the people who are staying at the mines, because your guy there talks about dramatic areas, particularly uh, in the mines. So this should be regarded as disastrous areas, just like 
uh, the floods out in in Kwazulu Natal. The concentration, the concentration from the government to fix this should be should be should be regarded. That's mm. my point. Mm. Yeah. All, all right, all right, Willie. Th- thanks for calling in, Trevor. Do, do you know anything about this, the the sinkholes on the roads out in the in the northwest? Uh, not in the northwest specifically. There have mm. been a few recently on Sandrails roads, one on the N1, one on the R21 that we're looking at, that are that are being investigated and rehabilitated. But um, as I said, unfortunately, it's not necessarily a simple matter to fix these things. Um, the, the perception is that you just fill it with soil or pour in some concrete and then you're done. But a sinkhole is a bit like an iceberg in that what you see on surface is only a small part of what's going on underneath. Mm. And they require quite a lot of investigation and, uh, and often quite specialized remedial measures in order to fix them properly. Otherwise, you can make the problem worse or, or just sort of effectively put a Band-Aid on and then you get another one forming fairly quickly thereafter. So on average, um, how long would you say it, it, it generally takes to fix this in coal? It depends on the complexity and the access. Um, generally, funds are more of an issue than anything else. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, six months to, to a year, possibly, uh, sure. for a large sinkhole. That's a long um, time. Because of the investigation required and, and, and the need to get some specialist contractors involved. Mm, a year, a year is is a long time. Butana out in Rosebank. You'll be surprised, and your guest there. That what I'm going to tell you. The amount of money that was put aside to sort out the sinkhole there was diverted to Inkanza. They're forgotten about it. And and this government of the ANZ, they were supposed to uh, make sure that those mines. Uh, those, those those mining houses sort out that thing, but instead they've invested that money in Ganja, and those people now they are suffering the consequences of the ANC government. Look, I, I think Butana, given the fact that uh, you know a significant uh, portion of of the complexity or the contributing factor to uh, the formation of sinkholes is around the management of water, as we've been told, in particular your sewage plants, etc. And the fact that that's poorly managed, um, I, I don't know that what you're saying is necessarily uh, unfair, especially for, for that particular municipality. Because it does sound like if the municipality was doing a better job of managing these resources, um, you know, yep. the, the rate at which sinkholes are being formed would not be as high. The money was put aside, Casey, to sort out that. And what was put aside on the budget, that money was taken to Nkanda, to build Nkanda. Uh, was there a specific project in Tatabutan? I'm trying to think about um, a project that was addressing sinkholes where money there was, was diverted. There was a specific project. There was a specific project mm. to address the, the sinkholes in Westland. Do you remember its name? I, I, I don't. Well, it was called the, the sinkhole project. <laughs> they know, <laughs> they know <laughs> those people there. <laughs> Okay, okay, Um, <laughs> let, 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 let me let me check with let me check with my guests. Willem Mariette, are, are you aware of such a project? Yes, I am. Uh, it it was widely reported at the time. I, unfortunately, I cannot give um, additional comments, but I I do think that the person who has found in that is. Um, that his statement is not just a rumour. There have been um, 
well some facts at the time. So uh, perhaps it's something that we can investigate, but I am aware of that um, that statement. Uh-huh. And, and do you remember when the project was, was supposed to have taken place, Mariette? No, uh, I'm ignorant regarding all the details. I will have to do investigation, but I am aware that mm. at the time there were statements made, I think public statements made with regards to that. May I just at this stage also just mention that there is some good news with regards to, I refer to the dewatering uh, of the far west land and then the formation of sinkholes. The constitution of the far west land of the Mythic Water Association, which consists of most of the major mining houses within the area, have been amended to now also make provision not only for dewatering impacts, but also for rewatering impacts. Uh, But that, of course, would only uh, address uh, the rewatering of the compartments within the mining right area. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that is perhaps a, a comforting uh, aspect that it's that they have uh, amended the constitution of the Far West Randolomitic Water Association. Then I also just want perhaps as a closing remark, mention that the South African Human Rights Commission also has a mandate in the sense of addressing violations or infringements of the Bill of Rights. And we are talking here of the Bill of Rights because the sinkholes in Kutsong area have created threats to the safety of residents. Mm. Uh, the South African Human Rights Commission, pursuant to its investigation and inquiry into the sewage pollution of the Bar River and the city of Tswani, made the following recommendations that the situation of failing wastewater treatment works in South Africa and the subsequent pollution of South African water resources be declared a national disaster. So we have called upon the South African Human Rights Commission to also intervene in what is happening in Kutsong. We've also called upon the public protector and also the acting, or not the acting, the current uh, Director General of the Department of Water and Sanitation Mm. to address therefore the, the failing wastewater treatment plants and also the uh, discharge of raw sewage within right. the Song the, the area. All right, Mariette. Th- th- thanks for coming on and for that uh, for that perspective. So, Ndadebutana, it looks like you're right. I was laughing, but, you know, you, you've hit your nail on the head there. That I, I remember. I might not remember a specific project, but I mm. know the man was diverted to Inkans. Mm. I mm. know it. Everybody there in, in West Rand knows it. Oh, we'll have to take a little bit, a, a closer look at that in Data Bhutan. I'll certainly have to do a little bit of, of research to find out more about that project and, and whatever became of it. Willem, let me give you a chance to give us your concluding remarks very briefly. All right, it looks like we've lost Willem. Trevor? Yeah, I'd just like to say, although it, it is quite distressing what's happening for Song, and I think it definitely needs to be sorted out, there's a lot of good work being done behind the scenes to improve the state of Zoramite and, and to prevent these sort of things happening in the future. Um, so it's not all doom and gloom. Uh, that, that is definitely a, a problem that needs to be resolved sooner rather than later. Okay, thank you all for coming onto the show and for being part of this conversation.